are broken and something needs to change they've lost nine of the last 10 games and they are quickly falling in the american league wildcard standings hello and welcome to episode 214 of section 138 last time we said the sky wasn't falling for the blue jays but this time it just might be four game sweep at the hands of the seattle mariners i this team can't get any worse right now Bryson, Jacob, how are you guys? When it rains, it pours. And uh, this week, yeah, I mean, I should say this weekend went even worse than, I guess, how this road trip started. But in general, what a disastrous road trip from top to bottom, even including the Oakland series. You go one in six, uh, pretty much a combination of finding ways to lose, you know, losing games late, no offense, kind of seeing the same offensive issues that we saw earlier on in the year. Bullpen miscues, Vladdy's glove breaking twice in one season. Um, just everything imaginable for the Blue Jays this weekend went complete in or the complete opposite direction, and it was a complete failure this weekend in Seattle. And I also feel bad for all the West Coast fans who bought tickets, and I'm sure there was a bunch of people who were at every single game this weekend to see four straight losses. Just a horrible look. And not just losses. I feel like calling it a loss sells this short. Like, you can look at the final scores. You say the Blue Jays lose 6-5 to the Mariners. Yeah, that looks like a frustrating game. But you watch that game, and I think, I know recency bias, all that stuff. That is the worst game I've seen possibly ever. Possibly ever. You think about everything that's gone wrong for the Blue Jays. The 8 out of 9 losses that they had in the previous 10 games. I, I Worst game I've ever seen. I mean, usually we're talking about how it's great to sweep a four-game series. It's just kind of unfortunate when it's the opposite team doing it. It's like, But this team, like, it's, it is it is probably... I'm not going to say what I said to you guys uh, privately about my <laughs> thoughts on this team, but we're getting to a point where this season, like we said this last year, this season, the direction of the season could be determined by a very bad stretch. And this this playoff race... The division, the wild card, the everything's extremely tight, and to come up this, to come up so short for such a long period of time, it's definitely a little bit. I don't even know what to call it. Frustrating, eye eye catching. Basically, this team has dropped from one of the best teams in the league to the worst team in the league, and then that's fair to say. Say what you said to us. Fine, I will. The Toronto Blue Jays are not making the playoffs in 2022. There you go. It's not happening if the season keeps up at this pace. Team is projected for less wins than last season. I know that can change in an instant, but it 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 did change in an instant just a week ago, and now it's the, the exact opposite of what we wanted it to be. Well, let's start right there, because last episode, Bryson and I were talking about how things are bad right now, but the Blue Jays are still in a good position to make the playoffs. Now you have Jacob saying the Blue Jays aren't making the playoffs, Bryson, has your mind changed? Do you think the Blue Jays are no longer a playoff team? Well, I think where Jacob did say if it keeps up, absolutely. But right now, I 
I still stand by what I said to you. Now, obviously, it's not ideal about the advantage that they did have because coming into the series, <laughs> something that we both mentioned, they had some ground in that wild card race, and now all of a sudden, the Seattle Mariners have officially tied them, or at least I get yeah, tied them um, for, in the wild card race. And of course, you have the other teams that are there. Notably so, the Baltimore Orioles are also two games back of the Blue Jays. You have the Cleveland Guardians, you got the Chicago White Sox, but as much as the Blue Jays obviously haven't done themselves any favors, we know that they lost all the ground that they've made up. I think at this point, nobody's even bothering to look at the AL East anymore. They're still in reach. They are still in contention. They are basically, again, tied for that last wildcard spot with the Mariners. Yes, they got to turn it around, but to say that they're not going to make the playoffs in on July 11th, knowing where they are in the standings right now, I think it's a ridiculous statement. Oh, that's fair. Uh, like I said, it, it has to Jacob, keep up. You can't, you can't <laughs> no, say no, they're no. not going to make the playoffs and then He's say that's fair. No. no, I'm saying that I understand your point, but if what we're seeing right now continues, this team is going to have, I don't even know, I think it's well, like 5 yeah. wins 100%. at the end of the season. That's even with three wildcard teams. You look at it, the Red Sox, the Rays, the Mariners. Well, actually, the Blue Jets are tied with them. So the wildcard is tight, but... 85, 86 wins, that could be the difference. That extra win could be the difference between playoffs and no playoffs. And right now, when this team can only win one out of nine, it's... I don't really know where where they expect these wins... Or one out of ten, excuse me. I don't know where they expect these wins to get out of. Okay, so I hear what you're saying. Things are bad right now, but I'm still holding true to what I said last podcast along the same lines of Brayson. This team is terrible right now, but there is an upside... I last time I said every team goes through stretches like this. I think we're at the point where not every team goes through stretches like this. This is an all-time terrible stretch for the Blue Jays to go through, but at the same time, they're still in a good position. They are what? 3 games above 500. They are tied for a wild card spot with the Mariners. There's a lot worse positions to be in. And if you're talking last year without expanded playoffs, this is disaster mode right now for the Blue Jays. But even then, you know, they're two and a half games back of the Red Sox. So how poor a position can you be in? And I think part of the reason why it's not all-time terrible for the Blue Jays is because the Rays are also going through these same struggles. If the Blue Jays had lost 9 of 10 and the Tampa Bay Rays were right there, winning every single game and gaining ground on the Blue Jays and the Red Sox were winning every single game and gaining significant ground on the Blue Jays, this would be a very bad situation. But the Rays just got swept by the Reds. They are having a whole bunch of terrible luck in their own right. We're going to talk about Vladdy's glove breaking and having that kind of act of God screwing the Blue Jays over in that game. But you look at the Rays, they lost on a walk-off balk. That is terrible, terrible luck. So the Rays are going through similar things right now. The Red Sox are hot, but they just split a series with the Yankees, which is, I guess, about as good as you can hope for a four-game series between the Red Sox and the Yankees. You hate both the teams. You cheer for a rain out every game, but it happens. If these teams are running away with the wildcard race, yes, this would be a terrible situation for the Blue Jays. And it is still a terrible situation, but they're still very much in it. So that's the reason why I don't feel comfortable saying that the Blue Jays are no longer a playoff team and predicting that they won't make the playoffs in 2022. Because as things stand now, after an all-time terrible stretch, they are still tied for a playoff spot. And yes, right now the tiebreaker goes to the Mariners. But point being... They're very close within, you know, the Mariners losing 
today slash tomorrow and the Blue Jays winning tomorrow, the Blue Jays are in a playoff spot. And if the season ended tomorrow, they are playing in a wildcard series. So that's why, to me, you can't say the Blue Jays aren't going to make the playoffs this year. But I don't think this episode should be about the Blue Jays making the playoffs. This episode, I have a feeling, is going to be a referendum on Charlie Montoyo. Because more so than at any point in his tenure as manager of the Blue Jays, he is on the hot seat. His job is seriously being questioned. And even myself as someone who is usually a staunch Charlie Montoyo reporter, uh, supporter, this is the closest I think we have come to seeing Charlie Montoyo lose his job. Do I think he's going to lose his job? No. We're going to talk about this, the reasons behind it, why he isn't going to lose his job or why he shouldn't lose his job. But I think if we look at the past few years since 2019 and you look at every situation, every decision he's made, every position the Blue Jays are in, and you look for the point where he has been most vulnerable, this is it. We are the closest we've ever come to seeing him lose his job. And I am at the point where I don't think he's getting fired, but I would not be surprised if I saw that he was getting fired. I'll put it that way. I think we're close to it. I think we're close to a world where Charlie Montoya could be getting fired. So let's treat it like this. Let's say the three of us are making the decision. Charlie Montoya, does he lose his job or not? Our votes determine whether he gets fired. Where do you guys stand on the decision of whether Charlie Montoya should be fired or not? I am voting to keep him in this managerial spot. I don't think that it's going to do what a lot of people think it will. Like, okay, say he's not here... There's not in Toronto for the game against the Phillies tomorrow. You have an interim manager, you hire somebody else, whatever. It's still the same people on the field that are losing games. Like, that's not what I think needs to get changed or what needs to change within the team. It's the team. And it's, it's okay, it is fair to say that certain guys should be in certain situations. You can't make these decisions, and that's totally justifiable. But I don't, if you're, if the argument is, is the team is losing all of these games, it's the manager's fault. I don't really think that's that's the case because you can't get swept four games. You can't lose to the Oakland Athletics, one of the worst teams in baseball, and that be because of the manager. That this this is the players not winning. But enough about the players. I don't like okay, fine. Say you you want to argue that he should be fired. I just I don't really see how that doesn't shake up the clubhouse in a negative way because okay, he's gone, fine. He's not on the team anymore, he's not with the team. Now what? Now you have to go and build new team chemistry with a new manager. And I think that the players would feel that. They'd say, oh, we're you know we're not playing well enough. We just lost our manager. He lost his job because of this. I don't think that that's necessarily where things go. Like This is the first time since, I guess, really Charlie Montoya took over that the team is expected to contend from day one. Has it been perfect? No, not at all. But I don't think that contending this season or not contending is going to be the... the the definition of whether he stays in this position or not. Like if it's two or three years down the line, completely fair enough. Like, and, and I know we can't really do cross sport examinations here, but you remember when the Leafs fired Mike Babcock, this was years and years and years on just terrible or, or a lack of meeting expectations, not just terrible playoffs, lack of expectations being met. That's not what this team has right now. Yes. They're not meeting expectations, but it's so early on, on, on those expectations that it's not really the right move, or at least not the right time to fire him. I think 
this season he's staying here no matter what, and I'll tell you why. The trade deadline is less than a month away. You have time to make additions. You have time to add guys to your roster. If the season does not go the way it's supposed to, you add players, you add, I don't know what it is, a reliever, you add an outfielder, a starting pitcher, you add someone, and the team is still not good, still misses the playoffs, or still is not performing to expectations, then you at least consider it. Because then you say, okay, well, how how much more do we need to put on the field before the right pieces the right are being put at the right time? Just this season, it's not really the, the right choice. And even if you do choose to fire him back or later, maybe in late August, early September, whatever, that's way too late in the season, in my opinion. I don't really think that that's going to do anything. So it's just, I don't think that firing him is the right move. It's, I don't know. I know people are going to disagree with me, especially right now, given the fact that it, this is such a hot topic within this whole Blue Jays Twitter, Blue Jays community. I just, if you step back for a minute and you kind of, looking at this without the heat of the moment, really what is firing him going to do other than just shake up the clubhouse negatively and now you have to go find a new manager on top of Stop the Bleeding that is this just desperation type of play that they're doing. It's a very complicated situation, but as much as I guess I'll lean with Jacob and say I keep him, I think I'm still more in the middle. Like, cl- like I'm not as, I guess, in favor of it as you are. I just... Again, there's so much going on with this conversation. There's a lot of people, first of all, who have never even supported Charlie Montoyo from the get-go. And that has remained a constant thing through all these years. But now, it just... it, I, it, What I see what Mark's saying and, and what I agree with what Mark is saying, it just feels like now, because of how bad things have been, it does feel like we are maybe the closest we've ever been to it. But who knows how close it even is. I don't expect anything to happen soon I I that's just my personal opinion but of course who knows but there's just there's a lot going on because the other thing that I don't or the other thing that I can kind of see or don't understand is that first of all I Charlie Montoyo usually just manages the bullpen in my opinion I think there's a lot of people behind the scenes who tell him what to do maybe that's and that's probably coming from upstairs but I just think that he's not the one that is behind everything because of that. And I don't understand or, you know, I don't see why it should be him in that sense. However, there's also an opinion floating around. And Mark, we kind of or we kind of brought this up earlier, Mark. I think you said that you didn't understand, I guess, the meaning behind it at all. I'm just pretty much repeating it. And that is the sense that some people also believe that somebody needs to be held accountable for this. And, of course, when that happens in baseball... It's usually a front office executive or it's usually the manager that goes. You've seen it twice this year with both Joes, Joe Girardi and Joe Madden. As much as they maybe weren't at fault for everything going on with their respective teams, there had to be a scapegoat and that's pro- or that is the reason why both of them aren't there. Now, a lot of people also think firing a manager may turn things around, may create that unnecessary or that that spark that was anticipated. You can kind of contradict that and look at how the Angels have done since Joe Madden's been fired, and it's been just as bad, if not worse. But again, the LA Angels are pretty much a cursed franchise. So, I don't know. You see it from both senses. It's just, again, it's there's a lot going on with it. The other thing that I think needs to be addressed a little bit more, and this is now is bringing up the conversation of the front office as well, is that as much as the front office has done a terrific job in 
building this team up and pretty much turning things around from what we've seen a couple years ago. That is no question about it. They have been responsible for a lot of it, and they're the reasons why guys like George Springer are here, and of course other you know other star players that we have or the Jays have brought in, Kevin Gosman, you know, just developing other guys, Vlad Bo, all of that. But I think another thing that needs to be brought up, and this kind of goes on the side of when all three of us have backed Charlie Monteau in terms of what he had, or and especially with the bullpen, pretty much the guys in the bullpen are are his guys and what else do you want him to do in certain situations when, you know, we talk about it, the bullpen's been on fumes. Some guys have to go this day. Some guys have to go the other day, but I do think the roster construction in particular also needs to be addressed and needs to be a little bit more criticized. And that could be a little bit on the front office. Again, I'm not faulting them for what they've done to get the Jays to this point, but I'm saying coming into this year, there has, or there were, a lot of holes still in the lineup. We talked about that left-handed at bat. The bullpen still, as much as it was in a much better spot than last year coming into the year, and it still is, it still wasn't at that next level. It was no match for the New York Yankees bullpen. And I guess even you know the Tampa Bay Rays are a team who have always had good pitching. So I think that's also a thing that needs to be um, kind of brought up a bit. The other thing you look at it too, you know, we've talked about this, and I think Josh Goldberg pretty much nailed the head right on the, or pretty much nailed it on the head uh, a couple days ago, is when he basically tweeted, besides that eight game winning streak that the Blue Jays had at the end of May, at the beginning of the June, it has been basically a mediocre team. It has been an inconsistent team, and this is something that we've discussed all year. It's come with inconsistent offense because obviously it started bad. It, then it heated up, and now over the course of the last week, it's slow, it slowed down. You talk about the pitching, which started really good for the starters. Now you only have two reliable starters and that other reliable guy outside of Ross Stripling because he's done a fantastic job since filling in. But other than that, one of the guys is injured right now who is on track to return, but you have a rotation who's full of holes as well right now that started good, and now it's kind of deteriorated since. And you have a bullpen who have completely fallen off the rails because of overworkedness and just because the Jays are missing certain aspects with that bullpen. So you have that going on as well. It has been an inconsistent lineup. You know, you look at Bo Bichette, not exactly the greatest year from him. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is not playing as well as he did last year. Teoscar Hernandez had a really slow start, and especially when he came off the IL. George Springer's another guy who was underwhelmed, I guess, over the last month, even though that he was pretty much responsible for the, you know, the runs over the past couple of days in Seattle. A lot of the main core has also not lived up to expectations, and I think that's fair for us to say as much as they've had their good moments this year. It's just this team, in a nutshell, hasn't clicked yet. Who knows if it will click at this point, and that's the honest truth. As much as we all had high expectations coming into the year, you can flat out say after over half of a season, not everything has clicked at the same time, and that is basically why the Blue Jays are three games above 500. If it weren't for that eight-game winning streak... This team likely would be below 500 right now or pretty much right at that 500 mark. So again, going back to what I said at the beginning, a ton of aspects, but in the sense of holding somebody accountable and maybe just making a change for the sake of it, that may, you know, that is kind of the only reason why I would believe that Montoya would ever be moved. I don't think anything in terms of his in-game managerial decisions even though he has some issues here and there. I wouldn't fault him for that as much as a lot of people do. A lot of criticism also comes with guys like, you know, or just, I guess, the sense of what an off day is for the Blue Jays because you saw at the beginning of the series, George Springer had two straight off days. I'm not sure what the sense of that one is, so you can kind of see how complicated this thing is. But basically, right now, I would hold on to it, but I think I'm still closer to 
Mark than I am with Jacob as much as I'm in favor of keeping Montoya, if that makes sense. Yeah, there's uh, there's a lot of things going on here. And just to touch on the last couple of things you said, if Charlie Montoya was going to get fired for his in-game decisions, he would have been fired in 2020. That would have happened years ago because the in-game decisions haven't changed. They've been the same for years. And that is something that we have learned to live with, with Charlie Montoya. Whether you agree with them in the case or not, this is something that Charlie Montoya is. So you're going to have to live with it or not. Um, He's not getting fired for that. He's also, in my mind, not getting fired for the lineup decisions because he doesn't set the lineup. I don't know how many times I need to say this. He doesn't set the lineup. And we learned this years ago, again, that he does not set the lineup. The lineup is made by the front office. We don't know this for certain. This is not like reported truth. But anyone can tell that this does not pass the smell test. And anyone around baseball knows that the manager in almost all teams does not set the lineup. I'll bring up the Yankees for an example. And this we know as fact. The Yankees lineup is set by committee. There's a committee of, I think it's front office executives, coaches, yes, the manager, there's scouts that are involved who vote every single day on what the lineup is going to be. And that's why the Yankees lineup is different every single day. We don't know if it works that way in the Blue Jays organization. I assume it doesn't because we haven't heard anything about this lineup by committee idea. But Charlie Montoyo, I can say with 99% confidence, does not set the lineup. He's not getting fired for the lineup because those decisions, the decisions of who is sitting and who is playing day in and day out, that's made by the high performance department, that's made by the front office, that is not made by Charlie Montoya. He's not getting fired for in-game decisions, he's not getting fired for the lineup. Three, he's not getting fired for the bullpen. I think first off, bullpen kind of falls under in-game decisions, but he's also not making decisions when it comes to the bullpen. We know, we've heard all about the Blue Jays' traffic light system, how green means go, yellow means use this guy sparingly, red means don't touch this guy at all. He's not the one making those decisions. Those decisions, again, are being made by the high-performance department. They're being made by guys in the front office. And I think most of the time when we see, you know, Tim Meza come in for this guy or Adam Simber come in in this situation, I swear, Charlie Montoyo, Pete Walker, the Blue Jays coaching staff have a binder that they are making those decisions from, or they're getting a call from the front office, from the analytic guys, telling them, use this guy, don't use that guy. I don't blame Charlie Montoyo for that. What he could get fired for, and what I think is fully his responsibility, is clubhouse culture. It's the culture of the team, and that is the one thing that you can pin entirely on him. Yes, there's other coaching staff guys who are involved with that. Yes, it does partly come down to roster composition and who's in the clubhouse, but that's the one thing that you can say, this is Charlie Montoya's responsibility. He should be fired for that. And like I said earlier, this is, I think, the closest we've come this entire season, his entire tenure as a Blue Jay, to the point where you can say, the clubhouse culture is a problem. Charlie Montoya needs to go. And I think right now it's fair to say the clubhouse culture is a problem. I personally don't think it is, but I see where people are coming from when you say that. But I don't think it's reached a point where firing him is the right decision. I also don't know what firing him is going to do. Because I, if the Blue Jays fire him in a situation that they do let him go, they are not looking outside of the organization to replace Charlie Montoya. We've heard talk about Joe Girardi. We hear talk about Joe Madden. Those are not two guys that are going to be brought in to replace him in the middle of the season. 
if you're looking outside of the organization to replace someone, that is happening in the offseason. That's not happening in the middle of the year. So in all likelihood, if Charlie Montoyo is fired, who we're going to see as manager is John Schneider. It's Pete Walker. It's Louis Rivera. And to me, putting those guys in charge is not going to change the culture of the organization. It's not going to change anything. This is a team. The coaching staff staff has been in lockstep year in and year out for now three, four years. It's not going to change anything if you put John Schneider at the helm instead of Charlie Montoya. You still have the exact same team. You still have the exact same culture. The last thing I'll say on this. Charlie Montoya did not cut a hole in Vladimir Guerrero's Jr.'s glove on Sunday. Charlie Montoya did not steal Gabby Marino's sunglasses before he dropped that fly ball. Charlie Montoyo did not give the signal for Tim Meza to throw a ball to the backstop. Charlie Montoyo is not responsible for the individual player performances on this team. And right now, that's what it comes down to. The players are not performing. So, all those things being said, Charlie Montoyo should not be fired. He shouldn't lose his job. Although, I do think we are the closest we have ever been to him losing his job. Um... I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on any of that. Well, I like that you ended it off with the players. I'll, I'll just keep this quick. I do think that that's important because it's easy to say that the manager is not doing their job, but you need to perform. And you mentioned, one of you guys mentioned, Bo Bichette, a bit of a down year. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., average is lower than last year. Even George Springer, as good as he's been, bit down from last season. Alejandro Kirk, obviously good, but Barrios, up and down all season. Kikuchi has been an absolute roller coaster. They obviously lose Ryu. It's not fully on the manager when the team that's on the field, the team that was expected to be one of the best teams in baseball at opening day, is just not performing like that. Like that is, I think the bigger issue here is just the team. And I don't know how to fix it other than everybody needs to figure their stuff out because this team is good. Like, okay, fine. You go, you get a, a, I don't know, an outfielder to fix your your hitting problems. Well, you already have three outfielders that can hit you 30 bombs if you need to. You know what I mean? So that's that's what's tough is you just you need the guys on the field to perform better because on paper, this is one of the best teams, if not the best team in baseball. It's just expectations have not met reality. And I think that's that's why everybody's kind of got fingers pointed at everyone trying to figure out what the cause is. And that's the part what Mark was saying is the one that gets me the most is that it's the, the managerial title is not what it used to be in the sense that it is strictly the lineup decisions and all that, you know, player personnel, medical, days off, all that stuff. That is all handled outside of his control, which is why it just it doesn't necessarily I don't understand the criticism that he gets from that. But again, he's been criticized ever since he got the job in 2019 and this has been a consistent thing. And I'll say this, as much as his in-game managerial decisions may not always be the greatest, he still has improved since 2019. I think we've mentioned that before on this podcast over the last couple of years is that he still, it seems that he has gotten a lot better at that too. So the mistakes he made in 2019 are, you don't see a lot of them anymore in 2022. Again, there's been a couple of situations this year where that has been the case. And I think at least me personally, um, is it's been me that I, or a couple of times where I've kind of criticized it or questioned it, but it is it isn't a lot and it isn't as much as i think he deserves to get for that sense so that's the part that frustrates me but i mean you you see that you see the move in terms of you know 
clubhouse management in terms of a scapegoat, those are usually the main reasons for letting somebody go. So to end it here for me, I don't think he deserves to get fired now. But if it were to happen tomorrow, if this makes sense, I wouldn't be surprised either. And I think that agrees to the point where Mark was saying is that we're, I think, at the closest point we've ever been before. And that still might not be that close, but we are, Is you know what I'm trying to say, is that we are getting, we are the closest we've ever been to that. But I don't think he deserves to get fired right now. But if it would happen tomorrow, again, would not be surprised because of the, just the factor of all those things about, you know, clubhouse management, a scapegoat and whatnot. And that's the other thing is that if John Schneider or whoever on this coaching staff takes over, it's the exact same thing in terms of the same structure, in terms of the same, you know, everything of the same personnel. That's why, again, like, what would that exactly do other than saying, okay, Montoyo's gone, the scapegoat's gone. We have, I guess, somebody who is pretty much helping Charlie make these decisions day in and day out, somebody like John Schneider, somebody like Pete Walker. What exactly do you accomplish by that? I've mentioned it with the Angels. Firing Joe Madden hasn't done anything, and there's been situations where it has worked before, though, so that's why it's a very risky decision to make, especially in season. It always is, and I don't necessarily believe that he deserves to go at this moment. Well, last thing I'll say on this topic is that if we were in a different media market, if we're talking about the New York Yankees, the New York Mets, the Boston Red Sox, the Philadelphia Phillies, if we're talking about one of these teams, yeah, I think Charlie Montoya is probably already fired. But we're not. We're talking about Toronto. And this is a very different environment than those environments. This is also a very different front office. So you're not going to go out and see a move like we saw in Philadelphia where Philadelphia fans were, you know, rioting with pitchforks in hands for Joe Girardi, to, Joe Girardi to be fired. There's opposition to Charlie Montoyo, sure, but it's not the same type of opposition. It's not the same type of sports town and certainly not the same type of front office. This front office, from everything we've seen since 2016, acts very slowly and very methodically, and very carefully. They think through decisions. Sometimes they think through decisions too much. They take too much time to make these decisions, but we know they don't act brashly. They don't act irrationally. They act slowly, carefully, and methodically. And firing a manager after essentially what amounts to a week and a half of bad play is not going to happen. It is going to take longer for Charlie Montoyo to get fired. So, you know, another week of this, maybe. It's more likely, and I would put the odds at 50-50, I think, if this keeps going for another week. But right now, I don't see it happening. And I also don't see the Blue Jays playing this poorly for another week because I do believe that they are a better team than this past 10 days have shown. So, um, yeah, I mean, lots to unpack there. Uh, lots of things going on. Uh, while we're talking about people in the hot seat, I think Ross Adkins should be getting a fair share of the blame of what's happened the past 10 days and what's happened with his team writ large this season. I wasn't on this train at first, but now I do firmly believe that he cannot build a bullpen. There's something about this team, whether it's Ross Adkins, whether it's the front office, they can't build a bullpen. We saw this in 2020, we saw this in 2021, and we've seen it this year for sure. Every other team in baseball is going out and getting guys who are throwing 100 miles an hour. 
at least two guys at the back end of the bullpen who are swing and miss guys, high power guys. For some reason, the Blue Jays are the only team out of 30 teams who think they can get past with guys throwing 88 miles an hour in the 7th, 8th inning. For some reason, they're the only team in baseball who thinks that. So, by and large, I support Ross Atkins, I support Mark Shapiro, I support the work that this front office has done over their tenure, but I think it's becoming abundantly clear that bullpen construction is a real problem with this team, and yes, we all know something has to be done. That is, without a question, they know something needs to be done right now to improve that bullpen, but I'm really concerned that we've seen this now essentially three years in the running with this team being in contention where the bullpen has been a fatal flaw of this club. Roster construction, bullpen construction is a fatal weakness for Ross Atkins in the front office. See, I'm not necessarily sure if I have the same opinion there. Here's the thing. Bullpen is different year in and year out. That's the one thing that's, I think, the hardest to predict. But going into the season, it was in good shape. We saw what Trevor Richards, Adam Simber... Jordan but that's Romano, not this Tim year alone. Mason. Like, like last year, the bullpen was in good shape for April, and it collapsed in May. And the same yep. thing in 2020. Like, we saw the bullpen was good for the first, what, 40 games of the season, then it collapsed the last 20. So this is not something that's new to this year. No, but I think 20... So last year, 2021, it was a little bit different because of all the injuries. Like, that definitely ate up the bullpen, and then guys were covering more than they needed to cover. That was part of it, and then what did they do? They brought in guys that could help them. It was definitely earlier than it was now at this point. You know, you look at, the I think it was the Simber trade, the Richards trades. Those were back in, like, early June, maybe, or mid-June, whatever it was. We're kind of at the point now where if they don't make a move, then I would agree that, yeah, they don't know how to react to the clear need of this team. But I don't know. I think the team has has had good moments with the bullpen. It's just, at times, it's been shaky. They've gotten away with it to some extent, but it's it definitely it's something where I'm not necessarily sure they just don't know what they're doing or they don't or they're trying to think differently and it's not working out. I think it's just at the, right now at this point I think they're they're way too late to the party when it comes to going and changing their bullpen because they clearly need to and they didn't. But also with this season, then I'll just quickly get this in the the thing with this season they were expecting to get Nate Pearson back. That's not happening for at least a long time. They lost Ross Stripling to the bullpen or in the bullpen, put him in the rotation. Like it's not been smooth sailing, and that's what I mean. That's that's what I'm getting at is they need to react better. They've built a good bullpen, or what was supposed to be a good bullpen, but when they clearly see that it's not working, they need to react and they need to make things a little bit different because you cannot have this. Like if this was a playoff series, obviously the Phillies, but whatever, you know what I mean. If we were going into a playoff series, you better hope that Kevin Gosman and Alec Manoa throw nine innings each game because this bullpen right now, with the way that they have not reacted to changing it, it's not looking like it's going to be any better. Yeah, I think I understand what you're saying, Jacob, but I think I'm still more on what Mark was saying with the bullpen. It's not about the Blue Jays not having good relievers. That's not the issue for me. The issue is the type of relievers they have because outside of guys like Jordan Romano, there's nobody in the bullpen, and this was what Mark was saying, that can throw up to 100 miles per hour with the fastball. There is nobody. And then when you look at different bullpens, of course, the Yankees are an easy team to look at because of how good they've been. You see the bullpen they have. You see the guys that can throw 100. We have witnessed it, obviously, because they've played a ton of games against each other. You know, a lot of these teams have much better bullpens than the Jays. And it's not because the Jays don't have 
good pitchers because of course they have really good pieces in the bullpen. It's the type of players they are pitchers that they have in terms of velocity, and that's why they need a couple of arms. And still, in my opinion, you need a starting pitcher because of this. You need to upgrade the depth. And in terms of being late, I don't necessarily think they're late because there hasn't been many trades to begin with so far. It is going to be a com- very competitive uh, trade deadline in terms of getting relievers, but the Jays are in no means behind in this. The only thing that you look at it now is that you wonder how much longer they can get away with this because of just the games they've lost and I guess how they've lost just certain guys struggling out of the bullpen and whatnot. So that's where I look at it from that, but that's pretty much what I was also just trying to reference earlier on with the Montoyo discussion is that I think as much as you know, people have their opinions on it, which we just pretty much dove into for about 30, 20, 30 minutes, a share of the blame, despite how good of a job the front office has done, should be about the roster construction. And this is obviously going back to what you guys were saying. I think it was you, Mark, going back to 2020, going back to 2021, going back to 2022. It has seemed to be the same thing in terms of, yes, just... The velocity, it's never really been there from the bullpen. Second of all, it is a bullpen who starts off good by the, I guess, by the looks of it. And then it runs out, it runs out a few or runs on fumes. And then it just kind of collapses. Cause 2020 was a prime example, despite the 60 game season of what happened with that. Last year was just a disaster from the start. This year was obviously a much better position from what, where they did start. And of course the bullpen got, gets major props for how the Jays started off in April with the bad offense. But you see it catching up to them now. This also has a ripple effect from the starting rotation. Basically, outside of Kevin Gosman and Alec Manoa, it's unreliable. Again, other than you know Ross Stripling, as much as he's done a great job, you weren't expecting Ross Stripling to be that guy in the rotation every five days. You were expecting him to be in the bullpen this year and make some spot starts. So that is kind of the ripple effect. There is a lot to unpack, but in terms of the roster construction, in terms of the bullpen construction, Yes, despite how you feel about certain guys and how good they've been, because again, they have really good relievers for certain situations, it is the same problem from 2020, from 2021, end of this year, is that you're missing certain guys, those swing and miss guys, and it's the same issue where the Blue Jays need to look externally early on in the trade market because they need help right now. That is why guys like Sergio Romo are here. That's got, you know, why Anthony Bond is here. That's why Matt Peacock was claimed off of waivers. These guys are pretty much the only thing right now besides a trade the Jays can get to. And why not take a chance at these guys? But that is why you're seeing these guys on the roster because you need just other options. You need depth. The depth is very thin. We've talked about this. You know, somebody like Mac, Max Castillo as well. He's done really good since coming up from the or from the minors despite his first outing maybe he gets consideration now to stay in the rotation every five days he had a really good quality start on the weekend it's just lots of unfortunately due to the lack of depth you don't have a lot of options right now you need to look externally and it's only going to make the bullpen a lot better and hopefully things can get back on track because despite the Blue Jays being or putting themselves in this situation, by no means are they completely out of it. By no means is their season over. They can turn this around very quickly before the All-Star break. And I think that's something that not a lot of people are seeing right now. But of course, what have you seen from them to be optimistic about it? That's completely fair. But going one and nine in your last 10 games, there's obviously room for room for improvement. And they have a really good opportunity this week to go into the All-Star break on a much better note, and I think the Jays are one of those teams, especially the Blue Jays, that need the All-Star break coming up. And you got about a week to go, you got one more homestand, and you have a really good opportunity against the Phillies and the Royals 
you got to you got to put it together and you got to play a lot better and i'm expecting them i don't know how good they will do in the next homestand but i'm expecting them to be a lot better despite or you know other than results cuz i think everyone's expecting them to do better this homestand but in terms of in terms of little things i think we're all optimistic and expecting it to be a little bit more of a better turnout hopefully hopefully the all-star break cannot come soon enough yeah the last thing to mention you talk about depth like the Blue Jays at the start of this season were a team we thought could win the World Series. And in July, in a series of four games, they started Anthony Bonda and Max Castillo and gave a considerable amount of innings two times through the rotation to Casey Lawrence, someone who is not a major league pitcher. That's not to insult. Casey Lawrence, it's insulting the front office. He is not a major league pitcher. He shouldn't be pitching at the major league level. Depth is a problem with this team. Building top-of-the-line talent in the bullpen is a problem with this team. And it's something we've seen year in and year out, and it's becoming a real issue and a real trend with this ball club. Um, Okay, I do want to talk about some other stuff. The first thing... I, I, there's nothing to discuss here, but just to mention some of the terrible luck the Blue Jays have. We talk about uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. breaking his glove. That is one of the most unbelievable things I've ever seen on a baseball field. Just adding up everything that has happened in the last week for the Blue Jays, the last 10 days for the Blue Jays, and in that moment, for his glove to break, it just felt like an act of God for his glove to break for the second time this year. Like even saying it, I don't believe it that it happened. It's, I still can't get over the fact that it happened, you know, 24 hours later. It's unbelievable. It's one of the most unbelievable things I've ever seen in baseball field. I'm not in a good way. Um, the other thing to mention is Lourdes Goriel Jr. Giving up a home run. Um, and no, for those of you who didn't watch the series, he was not a position player pitching. He was playing left field and somehow pulled a Jose Canseco and, hit the ball over the outfield wall. Just absolutely ridiculous stuff. Cosmically absurd. Like, there is some greater power that is upset with the Blue Jays right now, in addition to how terrible they're playing. You know, these are frustrating things in the moment, but big picture, the players are playing badly. Um, Okay, other thing to mention and discuss, George Springer, Alejandro Kirk, Alec Manoa, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. are going to the All-Star game. The one I want to talk about is George Springer because he's been struggling with his elbow issue, whatever it may be. He hasn't been himself. Yes, he's been playing well lately, had a leadoff homer in Sunday's game, one of the lone highlights of that ball game. Um, There's a debate whether George Springer should go to the All-Star game, should play in the All-Star game, or whether he should refuse his nomination and stay home and rest for a week, essentially, given his history this season, his history in previous seasons, and what's going on right now. Do you think George Springer should go to the All-Star game? Should he stay home? What are the different sides of this conversation? So I know if he goes and doesn't play, that that's just taking a roster spot away from somebody, but if he goes and has maybe one at-bat or goes in the field for like half of an inning, half of a defensive inning... I don't know if that's necessarily the end of the world. If you would play the entire game, absolutely. No, yeah, I don't think that that's necessarily the right decision. But 
it's one that I'm not really on or I'm not strong on either side. Like if he goes and he plays a small bit of the game, cool. It's great to have another Blue Jay there. I think they had what four last season too, so it's good to have another player there. But it, I guess the opposing argument would be, well, what if he goes and he has one at bat and something goes wrong? then you miss him for the season. We've seen Guerrero, I think, now for like, what, the third straight season or second straight, uh, decline the the home run derby just so he can rest and, you know, rather he'd rather focus on a playoff race than the home run derby, which is a fair argument. I'm just, I don't know. I If he goes, it's a nice thing to see. Obviously, it could backfire, but I, I, I highly doubt that that happens. I feel like it, what we'd probably see is, maybe an at-bat, he plays in the field for a small bit. Like, I'm sure he would say, like, guys, I only want to play a small amount of, or have a small amount of playing time just given the circumstances. I think that's all we really see. We just see him play for a very small amount of time, or not even play. I mean, who was it? I think it was Ned Yost, or might be his name. I don't know. Somebody years ago said, this was back before the All-Star game was actually determining who hosted the World Series. I I think it was Ned Yost. He said, I'm going to use whoever I want because... I need to win this game for my division or for my league. And he said, like, he's he's willing to not have players be used if if the scenario so chooses. You could see something like that where he doesn't play. Uh, I don't know. Like, if he plays, he plays. If he doesn't, he doesn't. But I guess if he isn't going to play and he knows it, he should, it would make more sense for him to not even go. Just It would be nice on the name to say, what is he, what would that be, seven straight or seven-time All-Star now? It would be nice, but... If he isn't going to play and you know it, then I think it would be more fair to give it to somebody else on the or somebody else in the American League. I get it. There's no fault in him playing uh, half of an inning or not. I just maybe this is me also questioning what an off day is. And I think this has been something that a lot of people have wondered because he got two straight off days. Uh, the last game, I think it was in Oakland and then the first game in Seattle. But he came off the bench like I I don't know if he's got nagging injuries or I, I, I don't know. I, I don't understand what the heck goes on with their off days or not. I understand there's no harm in him playing an in, in inning or not. If you wanted to go, I truly, it doesn't bother me if he goes or not. It would obviously be cool to see him there. Like you were talking about Jago having four J's there, but it's just, and unfortunately as much as George Springer has been very good and he's been one of the best players, obviously he's built up, unfortunately a reputation where every time he runs, he swings and falls down on one leg. He dives for a ball. Everyone kind of holds their breath in a way to see if he's hurting or not. So that's why do I want to put myself through that in an all-star game and have the chance if he, something happens like that. Cause you never know, but which is obviously sounds silly, but it is the truth. So I mean, I don't see the harm of it, but if he truly does have some issues where or if he be- believes he would rather rest, I got no problem with it at all because obviously there's a lot more things to worry about than the All-Star game, especially the state that this team is in. So it'll be cool seeing Alec Manoa get an appearance. Uh, it'll be cool seeing Alejandro Kirk start, of course, and it'll be cool to see Vladdy at first base again. Despite him not being as good as he was last year, it'll be cool to see all four of those guys there. And this all-star break, whoever is going, whoever is not, I think it's very clear that, again, from what I said earlier, this is something that the Jays desperately need. Don't kill me. Ty France should be starting at first base. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. should not be starting. Love the guy. He shouldn't be starting at first base. Um, yeah, I mean, I 
I don't feel passionately either way. I think I do, if I had to pick a side, I'd lean on the side of not playing. It's not the concern that playing one inning in the outfield or getting one at bat is going to injure him. I'm not worried about him being injured at the All-Star game. I'm worried about the fact that, you know, you're traveling to L.A. for, what, I guess three or four nights. You are playing in a ball game you ordinarily wouldn't play in. And after playing 90 games in the first half of the season, he clearly needs a break. The Blue Jays clearly want to give him a break by giving him back-to-back off days. Why not just take the break that you have? He doesn't need to go to the All-Star game. He's been to many, many in the past. And, I mean, to be honest, they're playing in Los Angeles. They are going to boo the hell out of him when (laughs) he walks onto that field. Whether he is playing or not, when he is announced at the start of the game, he's going to get booed like none other. And I don't know if he needs that. Like, this is maybe a controversial thing to say. I think he deserves to get booed. If he goes to the All-Star game, whether he plays or not, he deserves to get booed. As a player, I don't think he needs that. I don't think he needs a couple extra days of work of tiring travel and preparing for a game and playing in a game when very clearly the Blue Jays want him to rest. He wants to rest. Something is nagging him, which most likely is the elbow. So, again, not passionate either way, but I'm kind of talking myself into being passionate about him not going to the game. Um... Either way, it's nice to see a lot of Blue Jays named to the All-Star game again. It's always something you enjoy. We know last year how awesome it was to see them kind of, more than any other team, be front and center and center stage in Major League Baseball, and all eyes were on the Blue Jays' young talent. So it's a good thing. It's nice. It is a moment of recognition for what the Blue Jays do, the young talent they have. Just, I don't know if George Springer needs that right now. So... Um, before we get to the end of the podcast series predictions, do you have any final thoughts on what we saw this past weekend? Let me quickly just clarify where the Phillies are because this team, like, and the thing is, is this could go anywhere. Okay, so the Phillies about similar. We're not doing series predictions yet, though. This what is final uh, thoughts? Final That's thoughts. what Mark said. Final, okay, final thoughts. <laughs> let's just okay. Final thoughts is let's just pray whatever whatever was on that road trip. It's gone. Let's hope that the homestand, it changes things. Let's hope this team is like, okay, we're done. We just got swept by four-game series, which is absolutely abysmal. But let's just hope that that's over. They go home, are able to end that first half of the season on at least somewhat of a good note. Uh, final thoughts for me. Uh, first of all, as much as Robbie Ray did kind of dominated the Blue Jays, it was cool seeing him again. Seeing, or And I'm sure Jacob loves the, you know, Jacob was the leader for this last year. He loved the grunts. I'm sure Jacob missed that. Uh, <laughs> anyways, other than that, we know the faults this team has had. Um, it's been disastrous. And to say it, to bring you up one more time, Jacob, it is way too early to say they will not make the playoffs. I hope that you feel a little bit more optimistic throughout the rest of the year. They are still technically in a playoff spot, as you say they won't make the playoffs, which makes zero sense to me. They got to clean things up. Yes, they got to turn things around. They're a lot better than what they've shown, and we got to hope that they go on that run that we're talking about because, unfortunately, we just haven't seen that outside of that eight-game winning streak at the end of April, early May. I was disappointed that Robbie Ray's uh, pants looked 
less tight than they did when he was a Blue Jay. It's disappointed about that. Not what I expected. <laughs> um, maybe that's why he's not pitching as well this season. Um, two final thoughts from me. Number one thing is, forgot to mention this earlier, if the clubhouse is a problem, I think the Blue Jays should go out and pursue a veteran player who kind of has that steadying influence. Kind of the type Marcus Simeon was last season. You saw while everyone else was goofing off at the end of the dugout. Marcus Simeon was kind of that anchor. I love the energy the Blue Jays have. I love how their passion for the game, how they enjoy every moment when they're on the field. I'm not knocking that at all. I'm just saying sometimes you do need to have a kind of seesaw act to counterbalance to that. I think Marcus Simeon was that last season. Maybe that's what the Blue Jays are missing this year, and maybe that's what they should pursue at the trade deadline. The other thing I will say, we talk about everything going on in the baseball field and what is going on in Blue Jays' worlds and our frustration with the team. We can't talk about that without also recognizing what they have gone through over the past week, and that's their first base coach losing his daughter. So that's kind of the context that I think has to be given to what's going on with this team right now and what changed between two weeks ago and a week ago and now and the fact that they were attending a funeral today. Um, And that's a big part, I think, of what's going on. So we talk about the stuff on the field. There's also this going on behind the scenes that... Um, it's easy to criticize the Blue Jays. It's easy to pile on when everyone is doing it, but just also want to recognize there is another part to the story that can't be forgotten because I'm sure it's influencing the players and the coaching staff and a lot of what's going on with this team right now. So now, Jacob, serious predictions. I did not mean to jump the gun there, but basically what I was saying, <laughs> Phillies are somewhat similar to the Blue Jays in positioning in the standings. You got Barrios tomorrow. Let's just hope it goes well. I have no idea. I think it's, what, a two-gamer, if I'm not mistaken. So, it's basically either you... Actually, no. I hate two-game series. But let me... (laughs) I don't think a starter... Okay, so nobody's been named, I think, officially for the second game. I'm going to hope for a split. Because Zach Wheeler, I know, is, is scheduled for the Phillies that second game. Let's just hope we can get a split. I'm looking at MLB... And they have TBD for both teams for both games. I know Gosman is in contention for Tuesday. Yeah, I think I think we're I think we'll see Gosman this series. A lot of people think it actually could be tomorrow, and then you'll see Barrios probably in game two. Um, it's it's hard to, because of how bad they've played and how like wrong we've been with the series predictions. It's hard to say. The other thing I guess you have to mention. Uh, for the Philly side, you're missing JT Realmuto, you're missing Alec Baum, Aaron Nola, Kyle Gibson. They are all unvaccinated, so that's obviously a factor in this series. Um, you know, the Phillies are playing a lot better since firing Joe Girardi. Uh, I, I'll say they split one and one. I think that's fine in a two-game series. And um, I don't know which game it'll be, but I'll say one and one. What did you say again, Jacob? I said a split as well. Okay, well, I'll be the pessimist. I'll say 0-2. Oh, I say they lose oh, both <laughs> It's just how they're playing right now. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's terrible. It's terrible. Seriously. You know, I think it was our first episode of May or, or the last episode of April where we titled it, Will the Blue Jays Ever Lose a Series Again? Ever since then, it has been a, just a downhill, just complete. The, the I know I know you guys think jinxes aren't real. I'm just You're saying just they were good. In, fuel to the YouTube they were, crowd. They were serious. They're going to eat us they alive. They were good in May. Or, sorry, they were good in, in, in April. 
We said that, th is this team ever going to lose? I, I think we need to go and delete that video. Wow. Okay. Um, it was purely sarcasm. Well, like, if you thought, okay, okay obviously I knew off, that, Mark. but no, you but... didn't know that. Mark, finish it off. <laughs> Some final right. thoughts from the listeners, because we know everyone has so many opinions right now. Ethan Godfrey saying, bring back Brett Cecil and Joe Biagini. Jack F saying, the Jays will win their next six games before the All-Star break. I like the attitude. Um... Uh, T-H-A-L-U-N-N-Y-3 on Instagram saying, what do you guys think about all the people calling for Montoyo to be fired? We talked about that. James complimenting our episode titles and saying maybe your last episode title was too on the nose because we titled <laughs> the last episode, Do the Blue Jays Suck? And apparently they do. And then a final, final thought on Twitter from Canuck Baller, he says, as Bill Parcells famously said, you are what your record says you are. The Blue Jays 45 and 42, looking to bounce back before the All-Star game and before the All-Star break against the Phillies and the Royals. We will catch you at the end of that series. Trouble, oh, trouble, 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 trouble. Feels like every time I get back on my feet, she come around and knock me down again.